my spirit is um, focused on people learning, how you help people to learn best mm-hmm. and adjust. And I think learning is never wasted. It's always uh, beneficial and causes a person to develop and improve and earn more money and actualize themselves. So uh, my career has been in consulting, but um, in the area of learning. Deborah provides consulting services for a variety of clients in the areas of leadership, HR technology, strategy, and virtual learning design. She's the award-winning author of Digital HR, a guide to technology-enabled HR, and the EHR Advantage, the complete handbook. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. I'm Tatiana. I'm delighted to be with a really, really outstanding person today, Dr. Deborah Badil. She's joining us today to share with us a huge amount of wisdom. So please get ready and learn from a person who has been just a few snapshots, technology consultant, uh, president at Restec Consulting, holds an education doctorate, teaching at the George Washington University, author of two books and panelist at the Hacking HR Conference. And I'm sure there is so much more I've forgotten. Welcome Deborah, so good to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. If you would love to share with us maybe what's made you really get into the business, what is the mission of Resta Consulting? And then obviously later on, we'll be talking about your books, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, I started in consulting quite a while ago and um, found it very exciting because my spirit is... Um, focused on people learning, how you help people to learn best mm-hmm. and adjust. And I think learning is never wasted. It's always uh, beneficial and causes a person to develop and improve and earn more money and actualize themselves. So uh, my career has been in consulting, but um in the area of learning, when I started consulting, it was primarily a world of behaviorism. So mm-hmm. it was technical training, mostly with uh, um, large scale uh, computers and um, technical uh, processes. And so we used a behaviorist approach, but it troubled me because many of my clients were at the management level and behaviorism simply does not work when you're dealing with messy interpersonal issues. Mm-hmm. So that led me to get a master's in educational technology. And then from there to look at technology in the area of my doctorate, which was uh, education, but it was an HR focus. Right. So I was one of the few people working with technology in, our, in my HR doctorate. And uh, that led me into teaching HR technology and then also consulting for the um, HR clients that were in need of mostly learning technologies at first, but then it morphed into learning technologies plus the HR systems and then all the support systems that go along with the e-recruiting and um, other facets, performance management, et cetera. So that's my uh, short consulting background. And uh, the George Washington University 
asked me to start teaching HR technology in Singapore and Hong Kong in 2006, December of 2006. I, I told Tatiana there was no textbook. And so that's what led me into writing because I hadn't really considered being an author, although I had written a number of peer reviewed articles on topics related to um, methodology called action learning. But I delved into this and I ran with it and designed the first book, which was the EHR Advantage. It addresses basically a handbook of technology terms and then use cases and, um, and divided into three domains, which have uh, stayed with me in the digital HR book, the domains being learning management, talent management, and knowledge management. Mm, love it. Thank you for sharing. I love the anecdote about, you know, no textbook. So you write your own. This is fascinating. I'm glad you did. And it is <laughs> and it has led you to where you are today. Now you've been on one of the hacking HR panels as well, talking about, you know, technology and um, where we need to go with this realities shifting of course what are our needs today as an HR organization versus what we had maybe a year ago or 10 years ago have you seen some patterns have you seen some trends that you would love to share where you think we are well positioned as an HR function and where are areas where we are maybe lagging behind I think that's a wonderful question thank you for asking that so in the area of learning uh, my, the first panel I was on was the uh, learning and uh, the effective digital transformation on learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, it's a very mature industry now. And in the area of HR, we're using learning management systems. They've been around since the 1990s and we're well positioned for using all the bells and whistles in these wonderful learning management systems that have all kinds of uh, social technologies and knowledge management capabilities and learning objects that you can move between different courses. Uh, it's very sophisticated now. And uh, where I think that we're lacking is that we've put boundaries around learning. We've made it very rigid. And I think that with the digital transformation, we have got to expand our view of learning so that it encompasses knowledge management, which is basically how we create learning, how we store it, how we transfer and share it, how we apply it, and how we retire learning mm -hmm. assets that are no longer relevant. That's an important feature that we have not even touched on, I think. And if we expand our view of learning and we look at it as more of a knowledge management, knowledge exchange um, function, then what happens is that we are capable of dealing with the shifts that are occurring in HR right now, which is primarily that um, we're starting to upskill and reskill to, to do things that we've never done before, mm -hmm. looking internally at our knowledge assets internally, and then how to grow people using their skill sets and adjacent skill sets to upskill whole groups within an organization. So if we have very discrete views of what learning is, 
it, we're going to be stuck, I think, when we're faced with upskilling and reskilling and looking at the skills across an organization, that sharing of skills, that coaching, mentoring, um, apprentice, apprentice work is only capable if you expand your view of learning and the, the technology that supports it. That's such an important perspective. I've never thought about retiring learning assets. Yeah. That's awesome right. because it's, I think it goes into relearning and unlearning. And oh, I'm so word. sad that you use those terms. <laughs> yeah, every that is the hottest thing going. I have my <laughs> Toffler book. That term dates back to 1984, Alvin Toffler. I got the book because I thought, where did that term come from? Because from an adult learning perspective, I'm, excuse me, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to shut you down. This actually <laughs> came up in the upskilling, reskilling um, panel. And I warned my colleagues that I really don't like that term because from an adult learning perspective, it's not possible to unlearn. Totalitarian yeah. governments and authoritarian states and authoritarian organizations try to force people to unlearn. And they, by changing behavior and hoping that the um, attitudes will follow, but in truth, adults can't unlearn. What they can do is redirect their learning. So what adults, mm -hmm. what we know about adult learning principles, Malcolm Knowles made it very clear in his andragogical principles that adults are predisposed to learn. They want to, mm -hmm. they know what they need to learn and they know how to learn it. And they attach their learning to their world and life experience. So you can't unlearn an experience. Therefore, what you do is create new experiences and new learning and give the motivation for adults to learn this new behavior, this new approach, this new attitude. But you can't erase old learning. That has been tried. And it is presently being tried in totalitarian areas of the governments around the world, but you would never use that approach in a free society like yours or like mine. Amazing. So folks, I think this is a wake up call. A, <laughs> don't use the word unlearn, it's impossible. <laughs> I'm a lone ranger out here, Tatiana. <laughs> well, but you are inspiring a spark. And I think you're actually broadening perspectives here because sometimes we tend to believe that just because we make it available, and you mentioned we take learning management systems, we offer lots of great things as HR professionals, we give it to the world, and then we are somehow disappointed if it's not taken because we think it's awesome and it's great and it's good to have. But then also I think we assume that there is capacity for people to just take it on because right. what they've been doing obviously may have not worked, not yielded the results that they expected, or maybe it's just taken them to places they didn't wanna go. So we just say something, you know, trace back and try this. And I think uh -huh. this is an important perspective for you saying that's not quite how it works. You need to add the experience and the setting and give people also the motivation, one motivation. Because otherwise that experience from the past just sticks and they may exactly. fall back to the pattern no matter what else you're trying to give to them. Exactly. You've got it. You've nailed right. it. 
And so there, and there are a lot of ways that you encourage people. Now I'll, I'll say one thing, the pandemic I think was a, a line in the sand. Mm. Those who are um, lifelong learners, what they did, and I asked this question in one of the panels is how many of us learned something new, tried a new technology and used data to inform our decision. We all did it. We were forced mm -hmm. to do it mm -hmm. just for survival. I mean, the many organizations that were fought, that were um, found flat footed because they weren't ready for using Zoom, let's say, mm -hmm. and going completely virtual. Those organizations, boom, they had to make a change. They had to look at the data, look at what's the best method to use to be virtual. And it was a fast learning curve, but it occurred That's because right. we can learn. We constantly are learning. Now, there are people that can be 20, they can be 40, they can be 60 that decide, I don't want to learn anymore. I've had it. I've had it up to here. That's enough <laughs> learning. <laughs> and, you know, when you get to that point, it's time to move out of the workplace, honestly, mm. because our world requires continuous learning never stop. I think that's a powerful reminder. And especially if we look now, as you said, so many skills that have been acquired or honed throughout the pandemic, we'd obviously love to see them evolve and continue to be part of the workplace. But if you look at digital HR, as the term of your book suggests, there is a combination, there is crossroads between technology as an enabler and HR still with its own core abilities to you know, keep humanity in the workplace and all of those great um, right. analogies. What would you say, what's a great benefit of these, these worlds coming together? And is there also something where you would suggest now that we've learned it because we had to through the pandemic, we've been forced to do something different what would you suggest we keep doing because it's going to be for the right reasons and it's going to be doing well well um i think that it's a wake-up call really the pandemic was a wake-up call mm -hmm. and i think that um technology is a, is nothing more than a tool but when we were forced to go virtual we learned new ways to use tools that we may not have been familiar with. And we found that there are ways to, to manipulate those tools so that we can simulate the connections that we want, the human side mm -hmm. of our business and still use the tools to remain virtual. Now, those organizations that learned that you can do this and really be successful. You can use online systems to help you to take some of the heavy load of the paperwork, even AI enabled systems to take some of that data analytics away and allow us free us up to actually do what David, Dr. David Ulrich, who spoke at this Hacking HR conference, what he says that we should become more like consultants, HR business partners, where we're helping the business units to achieve the business goals that our organization has in its mission statement. So David Ulrich was a, 
talk about a lone ranger. He was out there talking about this new model of HR design of departments so that you've got HR business partners, you've got the executives, you've got this shared service center that handles most of the technology side of individual assistance. And then you've got these um, centers of excellence that are your um, incubators for HR innovation. Oh, this is, this is groundbreaking. And when he endorsed my book, he endorsed it because he saw that through technology, we can support this new model which is more human than the old model. And so HR technologies are just enabling that, freeing us up to be more supportive and um, helpful to our business partners and being more innovative in how we can assist them and help them to accomplish their business goals. So I, I think that there is a synergy there those who have successfully made the transition to use HR technology as a support system for their human resource efforts, mm -hmm. they're going to never go back. They'll see the value and they'll never go back. And that's the point of my, my book, Digital HR, is now the point is that we need to have a really well-designed strategy that sees the synergies of all these systems and, and documents it and ensures that we perpetuate it. That's the purpose of having a plan. Right. So we've kind of come into it, a lot of organizations willy-nilly, you know, they've got, they, they threw things together, oh, let's go with Zoom. Then we had that horrible rollout, remember, when there was some really nasty things happening on Zoom, made the modifications and, now we have double authentication and we've got our own logins and passwords and it's working now. Mm -hmm. So lesson learned, but that's what happens is that once you've gone through the rough roads, you really need to have a strategy for a way forward that has a plan and a future to it. And I think that's what digital HR does for people. So mm -hmm. we, I talk in chapter one about having a strategy, how you design it. This is not rocket science, folks. And then how you take these dis what were deemed disruptive technologies and you incorporate them and you use them to your advantage. And again, not rocket science, you're working with your IT department, you're working with finance and marketing, and you're designing an approach that will best support HR in its very important role of helping human humans within our organization develop and succeed in their roles and their uh, skill with their skills. I love how you're describing it, Deborah. It sounds so easy. And it sounds <laughs> oh, I'm as sorry. Easy. It's no, not it's easy. no, it's wonderful. Actually, I love it because I think sometimes there is this there is this barrier, maybe it's in our thinking, maybe it's in the way how we have been addressing HR work, the key topics that have been brought to our table that we have chosen to work on. And technology to be embedded somehow has felt like a burden. It's felt mm -hmm. hard. We mm -hmm. don't necessarily come from a tech field from an educational standpoint. Then we have to beg for time with IT and other people to give us the tools and the money and the time and attention. 
And you are just making it sound so simple. And I think in fairness, it probably is. So maybe we've just kind of reduced our beliefs that we can actually handle it. Uh And I'm hoping, as you suggested, that with the adoption of Zoom and other technologies throughout the pandemic, we had no choice. We just had to jump on something and make it work because we had to inform people. We had to communicate. We had to share the latest, you know, the best and and the saddest um, topics and and movements and evolutions and developments. And now all of a sudden, it's so natural. Everybody does it. It is so natural. Mystic to it. And I think that's a great thing, actually. Right. And um, honestly, the book is actually written for the executive level because Mm -hmm. they're the decision makers and they're the ones that are working with IT. They know what their budget is, et cetera. But even at the um, HR business partner level, there's a lot of innovations that are available to us. We can't go as lone rangers. It needs to bubble up and uh, so I, I talk and write a lot about leading up mm-hmm. because I find that um, HR business partners, they're in the trenches, they're seeing what needs to be done. They try to make maybe find their own solutions, but it has to fit into the overall objectives, the overall plan. And that's why you have to have a plan and it has to be communicated. And that plan, by the way, must now include cloud, which is what has enabled anywhere, anytime, just in time access Mm. to all these wonderful HR technology, HRIS functions. And it has to incorporate, we have to incorporate social media. No longer can we deny it. I mean, Zoom is a social media, but there's, oh, many, many others that Mm. are open source for those that don't have a um, a sophisticated budget, but also there's, um, you know, things like Microsoft Teams, part of that uh, Microsoft suite of products that we can use very effectively in, uh, as a social tool and for connecting people. And then we also, we must take into account the mobile aspect. That's what we were talking about with regard to the digital divide. I think it's of ultimate importance that every strategy include a mobile aspect to it because a lot of the people that are our frontline workers who are mobile and maybe truck drivers or um, shelf, they stock shelves or whatever, that mobile device that they carry on them daily can become a wonderful tool for communicating and mm. teaching and everything else, job aids everything can be delivered to that mobile device. So we can't forget that disruptive technology in part of our strategy. And then of course, data analytics, which result from the use of the cloud enabled mobile and social Mm. tools that collect these data lakes full of information that we now have access to. And so I think that I deal with all five of those, including IoT, the machine learning and AI um, in this book about how how to merge them into a plan and integrated systems that um, that function seamlessly. And, and that takes a plan. It can't just be cobbled together. Love that. So 
certainly mobile. I mean, I've just made a huge exclamation mark here for me. That's, I think, been underrated. Underrated, although, definitely. Although we know that in many countries, you know, access to a proper Wi-Fi connection at home isn't quite preferred choice of communication. Exactly. It doesn't just exist. I mean, if I think of some African countries, I know from my time back in Vodafone, people would have mobile payment solutions on their phones. They right. wouldn't have a bank account anywhere near. So they would just rely on this little thing, actually keeping them the lights on, providing exactly. for food and medication. And I think we are really missing that point sometimes. So thanks for that. We are. Reminder. I think the the West is really we're they leapfrogged over us. Mm -hmm. Do you have time for a story? Oh yeah, go ahead. The EHR advantage. Okay, so when I was um, working downtown, I, and I was starting to think about writing this book, it was I was working downtown Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. at a large uh, federal agency, and I was early, and I went across the street to the African Art Museum. I was uncharacteristically early, forty-five minutes to be exact. So I went to the art museum and came out. It changed my life. I, I, I can honestly say that. I went in there and there were two large Kenyan mur murals on the wall. Mm -hmm. They were probably 20 by 15 feet each. And what they had was large swatches of red and black paint on them and artifacts, which were small inert handguns and cell phones. And this is the way I think, Tatiana. I came out of there and I thought, wow, United States has been shipping uh, computers to African nations for how many decades? And they're nothing but glorified paperweights in many uh, situations because they don't have, they don't have internet connections right. and they don't even have electricity. So right. I said, I wonder, I said to myself, I wonder if anyone has ever tried to deliver training to cell phones. And as goes with many of my brilliant ideas, I did some research and found out, oh yeah, someone else is already doing that. Uh -huh. It was a gentleman who won the Microsoft uh, Teacher of the War, uh, Year Award in Helsinki, Finland in 2007. Uh -huh. He was a principal in Durban, South Africa, in a very, very poor district. And all of his students, I contacted him and we've become lifelong, he just passed away actually, mm -hmm. lifelong friends. And um, he had been using cell phones to tutor his children, his students, high school students, who lived in huts, no running water, no electricity, but they had cell phones. Wow. And he successfully trained these kids in the STEM studies of science and math, et cetera. Very exciting, very exciting. And so he has a case study in the EHR Advantage. And I've since studied this, how others are using cell phones. And you are exactly right. You hit it on the head. The West Western culture is way behind on this one. I don't know why. But people used to look at me like I had two heads when I said, why aren't we delivering training to these cell phones? <laughs> it's actually called M learning. And you know, they, <laughs> as a result of M learning, um, 
we've designed an entirely new way of designing learning. It's mm -hmm. called universal instructional design, and it has impacted everything, but nobody traces it back to M learning. Wow. <laughs> This is such a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing. It's really, really inspiring. And I'm just like, you know, like, okay, guilty, guilty, guilty. There's a few things I need to pick up on. So thank you so much. This is really, really eye-opening. Now, unfortunately, as always, time runs too fast, but I would love to um, ask you one question that we ask all our guests on this show. What are you most excited about and or maybe most concerned about if you think about the future and the future of work specifically? Well, I'm a glass, glass half full person. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you have to take this for what it's worth, but I am really excited about the future. I think what's happening is a shift mm -hmm. and uh, we have to be ready for it, but I think it's a positive, wonderful shift that's mm -hmm. going to positively affect, affect uh, HR. And I think what it is, is that the competition now for people with technical skills, data analytics skills, uh, data scientists, um, software engineers. There's a, a report by Gartner 2020 that a survey that they took that said that all of Fortune 500 are competing for about 39 roles to fill them. And what's happening is it's driving up those costs. So I think this is what's happening. And, and this is why I was on the panel for reskilling and upskilling. I think we're going to start focusing in-house and looking at the skills that we have in-house and that developing, truly becoming developers. Mm -hmm. But we'll look at the skills and we'll look at people with adjacent skills and other departments within the organization. And we'll start cross-training and mentoring mm -hmm and building those skills. And you can actually build capabilities throughout an entire organization if we look at that development as happening internally. Mm -hmm. I also think that, and I'm a little bit out there on this one, but I've been proposing it and getting some good feedback, is that I think we need to start partnering with educational institutions mm -hmm. and pulling in students as apprentice as apprentices within our organization, they're gonna have the new skills. They're also going to have the knowledge, but they're not gonna have the experience. Yeah. So we bring them in kind of as gig workers, you're not paying them benefits and you pay them and you get them to contribute their knowledge under a mentoring umbrella. And you also, so we benefit within the organizations and they benefit, it offsets the cost of their university. And it also creates this synergy between business and education that I don't think exists now, but it should, it really should. So I think that our, what, going back to what I said at the beginning, where I was talking about broadening our view of learning mm -hmm. and encompassing knowledge management, we also should broaden our understanding of what the boundaries are for people who can come into our organizations right. as both learners and contributors concurrently First Step Act, people that are previously incarcerated, let's bring them in. There are mm -hmm. certain jobs that they could take and 
we can train them and we can apprentice them. And um, if that's a verb, <laughs> I'll make it one. We'll make it one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that the future is quite exciting, mm -hmm. Tatiana. It's exciting. And I think we need to just open up our, our views and be innovative and just work to benefit start looking inside not always recruiting recruiting mm -hmm. is not always the answer we've got assets and people with attributes and skill sets in our organizations let's groom them and let's let's make this work and move on to the next revolution in the end they call it the fifth industrial revolution it's coming <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for the inspiration to actually give new meaning or an additional meaning to the word developers. <laughs> That's certainly something I'm taking away and I will gladly embrace. Thanks so much. It's been such a delight, Deborah. Everybody listening and watching, I'm sure there is a ton of things you can take away. We hope you enjoyed the session as much as we do. And um, obviously do keep tuning in back to new episodes of the Hacking HR lovely to have you thank you so much deborah it's been such a delight thank you tatiana lovely having you all stay safe take care thank you everybody for watching or listening to this podcast i hope you enjoyed the show please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the hacking hr community thank you so much please continue to stay safe stay well stay strong and we will see you soon.